Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, we're kicking off a new series in the new year. I know, I know you'd be surprised by that. And it's a series on prayer. We want to start this year as a church in prayer and fasting. And don't worry, you don't have to start fasting today. You get to go and enjoy whatever snacks are still left in your pantry. We like to kind of give you the first few days of the new year to eat all of the nuts and bolts that remain, to eat the toffee phase and the chocolates and all those things, so as to remove them as temptations in your life in the weeks to come. But we would really like to start this year with this series on prayer, and not just the series on prayer, but actually to invite you to join us as a leadership in prayer and in fasting. Don't worry, there's a number of things you can fast from. It doesn't always have to be food, but we will offer you some resources uh, in the coming weeks as how you might join us in a fast. Some of it will be literal fasting from food. Uh, Other parts of it might be, say, a media fast or a fast from doing chores or dishes in your home. Amen. Some people like that. There's a price to pay for that sort of fasting, so maybe you should do the dishes still. Although, if you fast from food, what dishes will there be to do? So there's that. Um, and um, we, we, really, we really need our church to pray. I, I don't know if you guys are, are realizing this, but God's promise has long been to his people that if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and pray... God God wants us to pray because he does actually want to heal this land. He wants to heal our land. And I think that for those of us who've been in church for a long time, some of those scriptures begin to lose some of their oomph and their power in a way. And and we, we honestly, we become a little too familiar with the things that are in front of us. And familiarity can be a wonderful thing. It's a comforting thing when we're in relationship. But familiarity can also be a very destructive thing. So I'd encourage you as we go through this series... Uh, to let the Spirit of God really speak to your heart and, and work in you a new and a deep thing into your prayer life. Uh, so, Happy New Year, once again. Some of you weren't here when I said it the first time this morning, so I just wanted to catch you now because you were late for church. That's okay, we love you and we value you and you're important. I just don't want to miss you in saying Happy New Year. It's just the awkwardness of that is you missed me saying it the first time. So, now that we're all good and awkward, good and offended this morning. Um, Some of the things we need to think about praying for in this new year. Well, we're trying to build teams, trying to build leaders, trying to build ministries. We're trying to build literal buildings. That's an exciting thing. And the time is really short. And for those of us who are over 40 years old, you know more than anybody else how short of a time a year actually is. Uh, it, it It feels like a flash every single time we go another time around the sun. And, um, Really, what we want to do as a church, I, one of, the, one of the, the ways we're learning how to say things as a church, and this is one that's really important to my heart, is we, as a church, what we want to do is make you, make you rich where you're poor. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Anybody can be made richer in an area that they're poor. And, and some of us are spiritually poor. Some of us are, are, are poor in literacy in terms of Scripture. Some of us are financially poor, and, and that's an important thing too. But the goal of the church is to is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build the body of Christ, to, to spread the kingdom of God, to preach the gospel, to, 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 to build people up because love builds and simple knowledge just puffs everything up. And, and you know, what we really want to do is we want to make you, in this year coming, we want to make you rich in the areas of your poor. 
We want to make you wealthy where you have poverty. We want you to have freedom where you're in bondage. All of these things are who we are as a church. And the one thing that that remains contingent upon more than any other is actually prayer. Because the work we do as churches, the warfare that we're involved in as churches, is not a warfare of flesh and blood. It's not carnal in its nature, but spiritual. And therefore, the weapons and the armaments of our warfare have to be spiritual, divine armaments. And so, as a church... We need to have this shift of heart and shift of focus and really come to a place of, of earnesty. And I really feel for our church in this year that God has, has a new level. He has a new depth for us in prayer. And we're a pretty good praying church. I mean, on any given Sunday morning, we have 30 people coming for, for pre-service prayer, which is the metric we measure the growth of our church by. Uh, just so you guys know, if you're coming and attending church and you're like, oh, that's awesome. It looked like it was full today. What we're actually paying attention to is how many people are in pre-service prayer. That's actually a more important metric to us than, than, than having 200 people in the seats. We want to see 30 and 40 and 50 and 60. And I mean, can you imagine where our church would be if we had 200 people showing up for pre-service prayer? Because when the people of God gather to pray, the presence of people is meeting into the presence of God and the miraculous happens. And you've learned this to be true. Some of you, I, I, think, of, I think of people like Margot Hess. Uh, I think of people like Tora Volkers. Uh, some of these, some of these, like, I don't know what to call them. They're warrior women, and they pray, and they know the power of God. They know that God meets with them when they pray. They, they know the Scripture that the prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so many things can happen for us, you guys, if we pray. But we don't pray so that things will happen. That, that's, the, that's the irony of it all. Because Jesus taught us how to pray. What, what's, the, what's the key component to praying? Well, your will be done. God's will needs to be done on earth as in heaven. To seek his kingdom first so that everything else will be added to you after. And, and it's so important that we have this shift because I really believe God wants to take us to a different place. Spiritually, physically, in terms of people's finances, absolutely. But in terms of people's health and, their, and the soul prosperity of who we are. So I'm confident of this, that we need to pray more, we need to pray better, we need to pray harder, we need to pray longer, because the devil hates all of those things. I'm confident of this, that God's plan for you this year is a lot better than the plan you're thinking of. And I know that some of us don't want to even believe that, because you have your way, and you think you have it all worked out, but i got to tell you, in all the years I've been walking with the Lord, I've learned time and time and time again that his plans are better than my plans. His thoughts are higher thoughts, and some of us still are struggling with this reality. You know, you think too highly of your own thoughts. You place too much value on your own plans, and it's good to have a plan, and it's good to have thoughts. <laughs> we don't want people to check their brains at the door. But God has a higher thought than we have, and it's important to pursue that with, our, with all of our hearts. So um, we want to equip as many Gen Churchers as possible in the weeks to come to become better prayers. Prayer, one who prays. And that's not really even technically a proper word. P-R-A-Y-E-R. Prayer. But that's who we're called to be, and that's who we need you to be. And so I hope that, I hope that this lands with you this morning. Um, now, officially, we're going to start the really official part of the series next week. This is, um, this is like an egg roll at a Chinese restaurant. You get it before the main meal. Um, hopefully you like egg rolls, because that's what this is. Deep fried bean sprouts, little chunks of some kind of meat. It's all good. It's tasty, because it's deep fried, right? Um, all right, so 
so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into some very serious structure and notes in the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I wanted just to, I wanted to share just a few things with you that I, that I found just trying to climb out of my heart, trying to climb right up out of my throat this morning. And um, I want to share a few experiences with you that have helped me to, have inspired me, is what I wrote, inspired me to never stop praying. And I am a, for the record, I am a pray-at-all-times kind of guy. I am actually, I'm actually not, uh, I'm not the guy who gets up and, and has, uh, like Carlisle has a prayer closet in his house, and he literally goes into the secret place and shuts the door. And he's going to get better crowns than me in heaven, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, but, but, I, but I really do feel bad when I, when I find myself saying things, because I've always had this awareness that Jesus is quite literally right with me. And a meme, a friend of mine sent me a meme a little while back, and it was this picture of the very, you know, traditional Jesus, very European, white robe, red sash, purple sash, long hair, and, uh, and just the caption with that picture read, I heard what you said when you were working the cows. And I felt, I felt convicted, honestly. I'm like, oh, right, because I, I believe that. I know that Jesus is with me when I'm driving. I know that Jesus is with me when I'm working the cows. And so I really do believe in, in a relationship with God that any time, any moment of our life, if we are conscious or even unconscious, we can actually enter into conversation with God. And that is prayer. That's what, it, that's what prayer is. It's conversation. It's God. It's requests being given to God. It's also listening to what God has to say back to us. And so I want to just share three brief things that, that have inspired me in my life, the things I'll never forget and that will make me a person who loves to pray until until I'm with Jesus in heaven. And the first one goes back to some of my very earliest memories when I would stay at my grandfather's house on my mom's side. I would wake up early, early, early in the morning because I would hear his voice. And I would be sleeping in one of the, one of the bedrooms upstairs. And um, he had a red chair. He was a one-armed farmer. And so he would have his little uh, stump, stump pad, we called it, a little heating pad under his uh, right arm stump where he'd have bad phantom pains. And he would often be sitting there if I looked through the door. And my mother probably will start crying because she has memories of him doing the same thing, I'm sure, from her childhood. But I remember looking out the door, and there's my grandfather with one hand in the air praying in English, Norwegian, and in tongues, kind of in and out all over the place. But I remember him naming my name as he prayed for me and as he prayed for my family members, he prayed for his children by name. He prayed for his grandchildren by name. And it has always been my desire to carry the people in my life to God on a regular basis, on a daily basis. All right? And um, believe it or not, you can, you can do that with structure and you can also do it because it is the habit and it is the, it is the function of your life. Um, the, one of the second great impactful moments about prayer that I'll never, ever forget is when I was with YWAM in Guinea in West Africa. We had a horrific accident one day. One of our team members got run over by a gravel truck. We were hand-filling gravel trucks with bricks and sand and gravel and, and literally with shovels, like a full tandem dual gravel dump truck like you see anywhere in Grand Prairie. And uh, the truck got stuck, and we had loaded it with sand with shovels, some of you young people have no idea how much sand that is. It, is all, it took us all day, a team of 20-some people taking shifts, flinging sand. We filled that truck, heaping full, and it got stuck in the sand. And so in the process of trying to push it out, which we did, by the way, that was amazing, uh, we actually pushed that truck out of, its, out of its, uh, where it was stuck. But one of the guys on our team, by the, his name was Mark. He was from Switzerland. He fell underneath the tires of the truck as it was spinning 
And the truck ripped the flesh and the skin off of his leg from his crotch to his ankle on his right leg. And it, did, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't disglove it, but it burned, the, it literally, the rubber, the spinning tire burned the skin right off of it, filled it full of sand. And right away, my prepper mind is like, okay, emergency lockdown mode, what are we going to do? Um, I'm a first aider, I can help you, kind of a thing, right? And um, I'll never, ever forget this. As I rushed over to Mark to try and grab him and keep him stabilized. I remember looking over, and I, I feel bad because I can't even remember the pastor's name that we were working with, but here is this mighty, ferocious man of God. He's not running towards Mark like the rest of us are. He is on his knees and then on his face, beating the sand with his hands as he's crying out to God for a miracle in that moment. It gutted me, and it still guts me today because that's the kind of man of God that I want to be. The kind, of man, the, the kind of man that, that yeah, we're going to run into danger and we're going to go and help and we're going to do those things, but we're also the kind of men who can fall to our knees and beat the ground, calling on the name of Jesus. We got Mark back to the base that we were staying at. We washed his legs with iodine soap. Well, he chewed, bit, literally bit down on a stick. We had no medical supplies. We laid hands on him. We prayed over him. And before we went home, he was walking and he was mostly healed up. I mean, that was miraculous. And I really believe it's so much of that starts because, because this pastor, this Christian pastor in a persecuted Muslim community, I mean persecuted death threats, people, Christians being killed, that was his response. Man, am I ever grateful for the opportunity to see someone pray like that. So that was the second thing that, that I'll just never forget. The third thing that, that I'll never actually forget is, is in my childhood, I remember one Sunday morning we were coming to church and it was an old man driving in the right-hand side of us, came to an intersection and decided just to turn across the front of us driving through Grand Prairie. And uh, no fault of my mother's, but she ran into him because he, he in the right-hand lane decided to turn across a couple other lanes of traffic. And as she hit the brakes and we went sliding across the intersection, my mother yelled out one name. Guess what the name was? She yelled out, Jesus! And we hit the car, and it was a little ding, and it was a little fender bender, and it was a confused old man, but my mother and her family were, were totally fine. And, you know, it wasn't a horrific scene, and it wasn't a crazy thing, but it's one of those things that is burned into my memory to call on the name of the Lord because he's always near. And you might think this morning, church, that God is far from you, but that's never the case. The scriptures say over and over again, God is near. He is near to you. His presence is right here. And if you would just step into it, if you would just begin to walk into it, man, our, our whole reality could begin to change. We could, see, we could see changes in our community if we would just call on the name of Jesus with passion, with perseverance, with, with long-suffering. Um, so these experiences taught me to pray in everything. In Philippians 4, 4-7, says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known by all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension or understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray. Pray at all times. The Lord is near to you. And in every situation, pray. I'm a far less disciplined prayer than I should be. 
Those are words that constantly come to my mind whenever I set goals about prayer. And I'm saying that this morning because I know some of you, no, probably all of you, hear something very similar to that. I'm going I'm to take this to the Lord in prayer. When I get to the office or when I get to here or I get to there, when I get home tonight, I'm going really, to really set aside the time. I'm going to take this to the Lord in prayer. And the thought that comes into my mind is, you know, you're a far less disciplined prayer than you should be. Well, where do you think that sentence comes from? Where do you think those words come from? Well, they, they actually are coming from the devil. They come from the enemy. Now, it might be true in some regard. But that, that, it's amazing to me how often when we set a goal, what's the first thing that we hear? Well, we call it self-doubt, but, but, but not, not that we want to blame the devil for everything, but, but what if the devil is really trying to mess with you? Because the one thing that Satan is afraid of, as much of anything as he could be afraid of, is the children of God who know who they're called by, who know who they are in Christ, and who know how to approach the throne of heaven with their requests. That is frightening for him. It is, it is hard for him to do battle against that. And so for that reason, you will hear the same thing too. I'm going to start 2023 and I'm going to be the best prayer ever. And the enemy is going to say something wonderfully brilliant to you like, you actually suck at praying. That'll never happen. And so many of us will give up with that. Which that's, it's the crazy part, right? It's like, yeah, that's true. I'm really not a good prayer. I should probably quit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a funny, it's a funny response, but I want to address it because I, I think it is the response that many of us actually have. I'm sure from time to time we are good critics of ourselves, and it is a good self-analysis. Well, that's true. You could do a little more. You know, as nice people, we're guilty of that all the time, right? If someone says, well, you're this, you're that, as like conservative people, as, as godly people, we're like, you know, I'm going to consider that. And you know, it's true. I could be a little nicer, I could be a little more this or I could be a little more that. But what it does is it takes us off of focus. It takes us off of the, off of the, the, the lane, if you will, that God wanted us to run in, which was to become a valiant prayer warrior. So what do we do next when that happens to us? I'm going to pray this year more than I've ever prayed before. No, you're not. Okay. How about I'm going to pray more this year than I've ever prayed before? No, you're not. Yes, I am. And then your, your follow-through to that would actually be right then and there to pray. See, if every single time the enemy came to you and said, you suck at praying, if you just said, okay, just give me a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice so that I don't suck anymore. And then you pray. What would happen after a number of times, just like anything else that you practice in life, is you would no longer suck at it. And so we just need to shift our thinking on some of these things. You know, I'm going to diet this year more than I've ever dieted before. No, you're not. Oh, you're right. Right? I mean, the, the first three months of any year are full of broken resolutions. We all know that. Why? Because we're, we're quickly defeated by the thoughts that come to us. We give up far too quickly. So I want to tell you this morning, when you feel like you're not a good prayer, practice praying. Who could do that? Can anybody, can anybody in this place do that? Man, I prayed in front of people, and it sounded weird, and I had bad doctrine and bad theology in my prayer, and sometimes people do. I sit there and listen to people pray all the time, and some of you, some of you, don't be offended. I love you so much. Some of you pray horrible prayers, but don't quit praying. You you don't see anybody in this church walking over and say, hey, that prayer was really, really crappy. Sit down, sir. 
You don't see that happening, do you? Why? Because prayer is a practice. It's a discipline of our life. And you're not good at it the first time you do it. You're not. My children sit at our dinner table sometimes, and they start praying. Blah, blah, blah. Wah, 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 wah. It's, the, it's the Charlie Brown teacher effect. Wah, 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 wah. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> Collaborate and listen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my poor I'm, kids, I'm sorry that your dad's a pastor. And that you are constantly dragged into the arena of the church and put on display for your shortcomings and failures. You will have a crown in heaven one day for persevering, I promise, because Jesus promises it. Uh, but, but I stopped them. I'm like, okay, um, this is prayer. We're going to come back to a little word called reverence. Because sometimes teenagers pray like this. God. I'm saying this because my mom and dad are making me, and I don't want it right now. God hears that prayer. He, he does. And you know what? He doesn't despise that prayer. But, but as a parent and as a pastor, what's my job? My job is to come alongside my kids, my wife. They need to come alongside me. Hey, that was a crappy prayer. And, and we're talking to God. We're talking to the, the creator of all things, the, the maker of the universe. Please do not let familiarity and friendship with him take away from the reverence he deserves. And so we start again, and we pray it again. I've heard people pray things at the altar that I'm like, that's just bad doctrine. You, you, you shouldn't pray that way, but you should still pray. And you should pray your best, and you should pray the best you know how. Please, don't stop praying. No matter how bad you are at it, you'll get better if you practice. If you pray with other people, you'll get better at praying. Okay? Uh, if you feel like, here, here's, the, here's the next one. Um, if you feel like you have nothing to pray about, how many of you experience that now? So the first thing is, I'm going to pray more than ever. No, you suck at praying. Oh, you're right. Okay, we've overcome that. Now we're going to pray even though we feel like we are not good at it and we know that practice makes us better. The next thing on the on the, uh, on, the, on the journey that we usually experience is this, that, well, I started praying, and about three seconds in, I have nothing to pray about. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm going to spare you the potential embarrassment. But I know that it happens to you because I know that it happens to me. And so, well, there's a few things you might want to reconsider about what you're doing with your life. If you have nothing to pray for, maybe you're not living your best life. Did you ever think about that before? Oh, yeah, Pastor, I really have nothing to pray for. Then life is too easy for you and you're doing something wrong. Because you're certainly not walking into the God dream he has for you. You're certainly not walking into the things he's called you to because God does not call people to do things they don't have to pray about. And you can take that to the bank. God does not call people to do easy things that they can do all on their own. He expects you to do the easy things all on your own, all by yourself, because you're a big boy. And you wear big boy pants. Maybe they're pull-ups still. That's okay. The point is they're big boy pants. See, God, God does not put the impossible in front of you so that you do it alone. He puts the impossible in front of you and I so that we do the impossible with him because with man, those things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this isn't some kind of weird, wonky prosperity doctrine. It's just the realistic nature of who God is and what he wants us to do in this world. So if you don't have anything to pray about, you're not living your best life. 
And you need, to, you need to develop some way of realizing or thinking about or processing what it is you're missing because I promise you, you are missing out on something. It shouldn't be easy. Something's wrong if it's that easy. Doing hard things that require God's help is God's way. Not the hard things that you want, not the hard things that serve only yourself or your dream or your vision or your flesh, but the hard things that build up the people of God, that build up the people around you. The impossible things for you to do in your own efforts are the things that God wants to do through you by his effort. And that requires you to become a man of faith. And that includes you too, ladies. See, the things that we are called by God to walk in, the Bible says that he predestined us for good works in Christ so that we would walk in them. Those are the good works that we need <laughs> understand how desperately we need God to accomplish the thing God has called us to do. It is everywhere around you. It is everything in your life. And those things will actually require faith. They require prayer because you actually have to walk them out. And they're impossible. They really, they really are. So you feel like you have nothing to pray about. Um, there, there's one last really practical piece of advice I can give you for that, and that's a list Really trying for the dry, sarcastic thing here. Um, <laughs> make a list. Make a list. If you don't understand at this point that there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on around you praying, you need to understand how much spiritual warfare is going on around the people of God trying to pray. Because you'll be mad. You can walk into a room. You can be so angry. You could want to tell God off. You're going to tell all the angels in heaven off. You're going to tell every person off. You're so mad about so many things, and you're so justified in that. But the moment you turn your eyes to Jesus and start trying to pray about it, just it's all gone. And that is not because of the miraculous power of prayer. That's actually Satan once again saying, okay, turn the attack off. Because right now, we're going to make sure they get distracted. And they don't follow through on trying to pray. This happens to all of us. Often. Maybe even all the time is not really an exaggeration. So a thing like a list can help you to do that. But then there's one more issue that I find that, that really can take people off of their guard. So now you know you're going to pray. You're called to pray. You're going to practice praying. That's good. You've got your list or you've got your your I'm not going to quit attitude engaged at least, and I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to continue to pray. Well, then it comes the issue of, well, you're not praying long enough. Who's heard that one? Right? I prayed. I went through my list really, really fast, and I said I was going to pray for 15 whole minutes, and I have 13 left. I'll laugh awkwardly because I know this is true. I know it's true. I've been there. I'll be there again, believe it or not. So when your list doesn't work and your resolve doesn't work, I want you to know that God, in his wisdom, has given you someone in your life to help you. When you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to pray, and when you run out of things to pray and you can't pray long enough, by the way, Every follower of Jesus who has ever been a follower of Jesus sucked at praying. Think of, think of the disciples with Jesus in the garden. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Hey, guys, would you just pray with me? Jesus, who is sweating drops of blood at this point in time. And what are the disciples doing? Yeah, we'll pray with you, Lord. <laughs> right? They're falling asleep. 
This is not a new problem for the church, you guys. People falling asleep when they try to pray. With Jesus in the flesh. See, here's, I'll just, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Here's what it says. Now, in the same way, the Spirit, as in the Holy Spirit of God, also helps our weakness. Now, this is going to blow some of your minds because you didn't even know this was in the Bible. For we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, there it is. We know we should have things to pray for. I'll read it for you again. For we do not know what to pray for as we should. We, the Bible is saying you want to pray, you're supposed to pray, you know you need to pray, you, like you know this. But you don't have anything to pray. Well, that's why the Spirit helps us in that particular weakness is what the Scripture is saying. We know we should have things to pray for. I mean, we've taken the time. We've set up the little spot. We, we've, we've made sure the kids are away so that we have a moment. We've closed the door in our office. And we had tons of stuff a minute ago. But now here we sit 13 minutes on the clock. Only two have gone by, and I don't know what to do. And God in the Scripture is sitting here. I want to pray through you. I want to make intercession because I know your mind, and I know my mind, and I know everything that's going around. See, if you, if you read on in Romans 8, it says 26, 27. Does anybody want to guess what Romans 8, 28 says? It says, for God is working all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So what is God doing in the moment when you don't know what to pray? He's saying, let me pray now. Let me help you pray. Let me pray with you. Let me pray through you. This is why, as Christians, it's not weird for us to say prayer is a conversation. It's not a conversation because you know something. It's a conversation because of who you're talking to. Just, just think about this. Most of us believe conversation is because, because we have something to add. And what if in prayer, what you have to add is really just your presence? Just think about it for a minute, please. Like, what if that, what if God is not, you know, Josh, I know this is going to surprise you, but what if God is not after your stunning intellect to accomplish his will in this world? Right? Mind-blowing, right? <laughs> but, but if we're going to be honest, and if we're going to acknowledge what pride does to us, isn't that actually the issue? Well, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I don't, what, 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 what? You, you don't, you don't, you don't. That's all I hear. Romans 8.26, 8.27 says that the Spirit of God knows what to pray. Because he knows your mind. He knows the mind of everybody. He, he, he knows God's mind. And he wants to utter. He wants to offer deep groanings. And then you get to 8.28. Because God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. That's why. So what does that mean for you and I today? Some of you. Oh, some of you. This is why people's doctrine of who the Holy Spirit is, what he can do, and what the giftings are to the church matters so much. 
Because if you have an aversion today right now to speaking in tongues, you're going to have a really hard time with what I'm about to say next to you. Because it's right now, it's impossible for you. But can I just say in love to you that it's only impossible because you haven't opened your mind up to everything the Holy Spirit is actually saying in Scripture. I'm going to share a few more things with you because, because for our church, we are a Spirit-filled church. That means we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the church are active in the church. We are not dispensationalists. We don't believe that, oh, that passed away. We believe there are miracles today. Why? Because we actually see miracles happening. That's, that's a hard thing. I have friends who are, you know, Calvinists, and they go by all kinds of brands and, uh, brands and, and names. And, you know, the conversation gets really one-sided when we talk miracles. Because we're seeing them. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing supernatural things happen. And so people's, people's aversion to who the Holy Spirit is and what he actually does in the life of a believer can really cause problems in your prayer life. So Ephesians 6.18 says this, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Okay, so Ephesians 6.18 says pray in the Spirit. We know that Romans 8.27 or 8.26 says that the Holy Spirit knows what to pray when we don't and wants to intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, there are those who will look at that and say, well, see, it's not coming from in me because it's the Spirit's groanings too deep for words, but who does the Spirit live in? Well, you. So where are the groanings coming from? Well, they're coming from inside of you because the Spirit of God is in you. And we need to just stop this childish, foolish methodology of trying to be right when the Scripture says plainly what it says. In, in the context of all of Scripture, praying in the Spirit means praying in the Spirit. Well, technically, what is that then, Pastor Trav? Well, it's praying in tongues, and it's praying in your your natural tongue. Well, how do you know that? Well, I read my Bible a little more in a different spot. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13 and 15, Therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay, we all agree. For what is the outcome then? Well, the outcome is then that I pray with the Spirit, and I also pray with my mind, and I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the mind. Now, I know that this is maybe a heavy download for some people because, you know, you're, you're not there with the whole Holy Spirit thing. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with wherever you're at this morning. I, I'd like to let you know Jesus is okay with you too. But he's not going to leave you the same way forever. He is going to change you. And, and so we, 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 need to, we need to just, in the innocence of children... We need to read God's Word and say, Holy Spirit, you teach me what this is saying. And when your pastor or some other leader in your life comes along and says, oh yeah, and, and also this verse, because that verse brings interpretation and context to this verse over here. See, it allows us to define what praying in the Spirit actually is. 
So we know that when the Spirit is praying through us, uttering groanings, well, we know we're called to pray in the Spirit um, at all times to pray in the Spirit in Ephesians 6 and 1 Corinthians. We know that if we're praying around other people and we're praying in tongues, well, somebody should interpret that because otherwise it doesn't edify anybody. But what about when we're praying by ourselves? What about that? Well, Jude 20. Jude 20 says, My beloved, build yourselves up in the most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. Well, that doesn't mean, listen, you can tell me what it does and doesn't mean all day long. And I'll just keep testifying to you what happens when the people of God really do just pray in the Spirit. I don't, I don't, I'm not bothered by, I don't care that people struggle with the doctrine of tongues and the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul was, here's, here's his stance with the early church on tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, great, everybody, we're so spiritual. The church's problem is that so many things come in and out of fashion, and we, re- we fail to realize that's all that's happening. You know, the critics come along at, at some of the revivals that took place, and man, people were doing all kinds of weird things in there. There was this, there was barking, there was falling over, and blah, blah, blah. It was so weird. And, it, you know, honestly... There are things that come into style, and people do them, and I'm not going to defend or criticize. What's the point? Because after a while, it seems to go away. The critics remain, the fans remain, and they argue back and forth. I'm, I'm still looking for the next thing God's doing. It'd be great if y'all would join us. What's God doing next? Who's the next person that God is calling? Who is the next person that's going to meet Jesus? Who is the next person that's going to get healed? Who is the next person? Right? Let's make, let's make it about the next one. But maybe we'll still spin out there for a while yet. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be praying in the tongues. I don't want to do those kinds of things. It's fine. It's fine. Pray at all times. Like always. Any moment you're needed to, just start praying. Um. There are very powerful times of prayer waiting for us. Powerful times. And if we're willing to pray with the Spirit of God, not just, not just in alignment with the Spirit of God, but like literally pray with the Spirit of God. Have you ever sat in a room, and many of you have, because I know we've got, we've got somewhere between a dozen and 20 guys who faithfully come to pray on Wednesday morning. And have you ever noticed when you're in corporate prayer, you're praying with people, You'll notice how that works. Like we cover each other, and it's this amazing thing that starts to happen. There's a conversation that's ascending to heaven from the people of God, and we're, we're adding components as the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and as we're sharing with each other, as we're making our requests known, we, we actually cover a lot of things, and we, we actually get a lot of work done. And that can only happen when people start to abandon their doctrinal insecurities can only happen when people abandon their insecurity that, well, I don't really want to pray out loud. Well, you need to pray out loud. Well, why? Well, we just read the whole thing. You're not supposed to pray in tongues out loud if no one can interpret. That doesn't mean everybody should pray silently. It means you should pray in a way that's beneficial to other people. Just, I know it's hard, but just think about it. The point is not tongues or not tongues. The point is, are you doing something that is effective and beneficial? There's the question. Now, what's the answer? 
Well, if you're going to analyze your life honestly, how effective is it? I, I know that some of the things I'm sharing with you this morning, for some of you, are going to, it's going to cause a lot of questions. Well, we, we teach a lot in this church in series. And so if you go back into our archives, even, a, even just the last couple, three years, you will find what we teach about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You will find out, hopefully, why we're, we, we don't call ourselves Pentecostal and we're, we, you know, we, we don't worry about branding this or that. We, we just don't do it. Um, but you'll, you'll understand what our heart is and, and what we teach and why we do the things we do. And, and, it, and so if it causes a lot of question, my, my invitation to you is don't try to come and sit down with me and, and argue because I just won't argue with you. I, I grew out of arguing a long time ago, except with my wife. I like to argue with her still. Or she likes to argue with me, and I just don't quit, whichever way that works. But we, we, can, we, can, we can give you some great resources and some great books. It's just, just get on the team with us. Like, it's okay if you don't know. So start practicing. It's okay if you're uncomfortable. Sidestep the discomfort and press into the next thing God might have for you. Because if God's called you to be here, then you should be here. And, and to me, it, it just doesn't get any more complicated than that. And be here. Join the team. Serve on the team. Pray with us in this season as a church because we have impossible things to do in front of us. I can't wait for Vision Sunday. It's going to come up in, uh, in March, I believe it's this year. It'll be Vision Sunday. I am super excited about Vision Sunday because we have so many great testimonies. We have so many great things to share. And there's so much vision. There's so many things ahead of us that are impossible to do. And uh, the, the truth is, is, is that as, as we pray, we can accelerate that vision. As you give, we can accelerate the vision. As you participate, we can accelerate the vision. And so what God is calling us to do, church, is important for our community. It's important for our city. It's important for your families. But you've got to pray. And we're going to add some of the other components like fasting in the next few weeks. It's going to be really good. I thought it was important that we, that we just take the moment today to honor what Jesus has done. And every time we celebrate communion, sometimes I think in my regular communion address, I think maybe people, in the, in the, again, in the familiarity of things, they, they maybe think we don't place a really high value on the sacrament of communion. Because I often tell you, it's every time you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's not just when we get together at church to have communion. We should be communing every single day in our families with our people. We should, when we sit down for a business meeting with another believer, we should be remembering the Lord's death. It is, it is an active part of our everyday life. But this is also important. It's important for us. And I remember from some of my Bible college classes, one of the profs, uh, Gord Franklin was an amazing man of God, pastor, teacher, professor, doctor in theology. And he, he, he said some things that always stuck with me and how Jesus' intent for communion, for the Last Supper, uh, as much as it was for any other thing, it was really about promoting a unity in the body of Christ, a unity among the disciples. And you, I want you just to pause this morning and think of the irony of that statement. Judas Iscariot was sitting in that room as Jesus held this unifying final meal. And I just want to, uh, if you just receive what the Lord has for you this morning, maybe, 
listen, God calls for our unity in spite of the fact that we're going to have mistakes and we're going to have train wrecks in the future. God calls us to practice unity because it's necessary to practice unity. It's so that we get good at unity. It's so that we get good at oneness. It's so that we get good at being with each other in the good times and the bad times. It's so that no matter what happens to us, we're always able to remember what Jesus did for us at the cross. And so this morning, let's just take the time to remember that. And I'd encourage you, don't leave relational holes in your life. If you want to have a New Year's resolution this year to kick it off with, maybe that could be one. Stop being passive-aggressive with your relationships. Go to people in love. Try. Try to have the conversations. It's okay if unity is not the first result. But what Jesus did on the cross gives us the opportunity to have unity. When we come together in Him, when we forgive one another, when we bear one another's burdens. And all of that was made possible in the cross. So Jesus, today we thank you for your body that was broken for us. That in the beating that you took, in the crowning of thorns that you received, that you were establishing healing, that you were establishing a new covenant, that you were establishing the promises of God that had been being written all through the ages. And we remember that this morning, Lord, as we kick off this Exciting new year. Let's let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup and blessed it, saying, This cup represents a new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. The old covenant was messy, it was quite literally bloody was labor-intensive. It was a lot of things that we have no idea how to understand in our world today. And for that reason, let's be thankful once again for what Jesus did, the shedding of the blood, the innocent Lamb of God, who by His blood redeemed all of mankind, gave us the opportunity, put us in a place where we could respond to what his work was at the cross. We could receive mercy. We could receive forgiveness and salvation and be restored to right relationship with God. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing process. Jesus, we're thankful for what this little bit of grape juice represents this morning. The new covenant, the new promise. And Lord, we remember it today as we start this year as a church family. God, we choose, God, we choose to be people of the virtues that you are. We choose to be people of kindness, to be people of love, grace, strength, truth, honesty, boldness. Jesus, help us to be more like you. Help us to be one as you and the Father are one. As we walk into everything that you have for us. Let's take the cup together. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. 
For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.